Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Chris Hart with you. Tanner Hayworth is in for Gary Dickman. And, uh, well, really, away we go. Hey, you know what? We've got more tickets to give away to Rainbow Warrior Basketball sometime between now and 9 o'clock. And then also, uh, coming up in 30 minutes, our very special guest, Hall of Famer Steve Largent on the show. We'll uh, talk about what uh, Steve is doing in town. We start with some headlines we're following. Uh, first of all, want to talk about, and we'll get into this in a second, but really, how is the University of Hawaii affected if college football adds another D1 tier? In other words, we talked a lot about initial reactions, and we were starting to kind of digest this yesterday. But with um, now that we have it here, how does this affect us here in Hawaii? Uh, the Nike Eolani Classic for girls starts Thursday, Tanner. Yeah, I mean, that's always an exciting thing to watch and listen to. I'm sure I'll probably be helping out somehow with those broadcasts. I'm not sure how and uh, what standards, but definitely exciting stuff to uh, coming up on the uh, – I can't think of the word. All it's right. Well, hey, that's okay. While you do that, uh, <laughs> one of the teams that are coming here is – I think it's Kamehameha. We're going to talk with their coach later on today, Pua Straight. Uh, with Kamehameha, I think Kamehameha is playing a team called Sidwell Friends. Hmm. And you might think, oh, what a friendly little school. No. <laughs> this is one of the top teams in the country. I think they're from Washington, D.C. They got two five-star commits who, have, who committed to UCLA at 6'2 <laughs> and 6'3. Oh. Sidwell is looks like they're going to be pretty unfriendly when they uh, get here to the islands. Anyway, some great uh, action for you on the radio and in person down at Iolani. Hey, want to say congratulations to Amber Igidi again and again and again. Wait, you're telling me she won an award for something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she earned her fourth. AVCA Pacific North All-Region Honor. What? I mean, one of the best. She was named one a, of the best. She was, she was named an All-Region Honorable Mention uh, as a freshman and a sophomore, and now she's a back-to-back first-team honors. Um, I don't understand why the Big West is in the Pacific North All-Region uh, team. Doesn't make sense to me. Maybe it's part of, like, the Northwest because we played in the Oregon bracket? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I guess can, I guess to them, Hawaii is very north. In If you flip if the earth upside down. <laughs> well, congratulations to Amber Igedi. What a great career. So proud to uh, 
I've had her on the show and, uh, you know, had her a part of a lot of uh, sports fans' lives here. Congratulations, Amber. And, uh, yeah, we got those UH uh, tickets to give away. All right. Um, I was reading some more up on – actually, we can talk about how <laughs> – before we get to the, the college football thing, we can talk about how the there's certain people in the legislature that are trying to take over the University of Hawaii. That would be fun. <laughs> and but we don't know who it is. Who could it be? If you look at the Honolulu Star advertiser, it's a big mystery of who's trying to take over the University of Hawaii and get uh, talk to you know, uh, kind of a you know let the board of regents individually kind of a you know stop these guys in the street and go hey make sure you get this guy or make sure this is the process. Here's a guy I need you guys to hire. Now, what, who's doing who's doing all of this stuff? What legis what members of legislature would want David Lasner to retire even earlier than his right. 2024 resignation date, of which we don't know the specific date to to be fair, but <laughs> Well, it's to the end of 2024. End of 2024. But who would want to call for his early resignation already at this point? Certainly well, not calling... certainly not three people that have called for his early resignation before. Right. And the, the three people who didn't uh, return uh, the Star Advertiser's uh, phone calls or emails for comment, certainly not those guys. I Can't just be. wish people would just stay in their lane and do what you were voted in to do. Don't try and you, – you can't control the world for your own gain. Stop it. Or at least right. own up to it. <laughs> well, you can't own up to it. Come but, on. you know, it's just you know, leave the little, guy alone. Leave the guy alone. He's fine. He's done a great job. Everyone who's ever worked with David Lasner loves David Lasner. He's fine. He's good. He was great for the state. He was great for the university. Leave the cat alone. My gosh. <laughs> just let him well, finish out his year in peace. They're losing sleep at night, tossing and turning, going, I, I, I need to pick who the next president's going to be so that I can have control. And then you got, you know, what's her name on the other side of town going, no, I need control. I need to know who the president's going to be. My gosh, this is a comedy in the making. This is, a, this, is, this is pure comedy with what these adults are stooping to. I mean, Stay in your lane. It's none of your business. In the words of board chair Olapaki Nahale, Nahale uh, trust the process. In the words of 76ers fans everywhere, trust yeah. the process. Yeah, that, that usually It's comes there for out. a reason. Leave the Board of Regents alone. My goodness. All right, let's start the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here, really, uh, the question is, and you can uh, text in or call 808-296-1420, is college football doomed? Uh, I see Dave Reardon's column here this morning. It says a doomsday scenario finally strikes college football. So is college football, say they make another deer, deer another tier <laughs> in um, college football, because basically the president has come out and said the uh, that, you know, having these, really you've got two levels of Division One right now. You have Division Two and you have a Division Three, uh, and um, but on the Division One level, you've got two levels, and it's messing up the rich people. These rich people can't be; these peasants are just getting in their way. <laughs> and so, what they're doing is, I guess, it kind of makes sense to me when you look at it, saying, you know what, 
we're going to play our own powerful game over here and not be governed so much by the NCAA or, well, not governed by the NCAA, but we're going to play by our own rules. Since you other schools don't have enough money to keep up with us, meaning mid-majors, we're going to make our own league over here, and you guys can play around in your own league over there. Is that the worst thing for college football, Tanner? I think so. And I think it's not only just for college football. It's all of college sports. Now, there is the obvious and good fight for you know athletes to be compensated for their work. And throughout the NIL process, there's been a lot of, well, collective talks and NIL talks and whether or not it's fair or not. I'm not sure if the uh, idea of what Charlie Baker put out saying that a new tier of NCAA Division One sports where schools would be required to offer at least half their athletes a payment of at least $30,000 per year through a trust fund. And I think that is going to run into a problem very quickly because the first thing I think about that is, okay, it's not providing all of their athletes a lump sum. Mm -hmm. It's half of their athletes. And there's no real... Which will will mostly be football players. Which will mostly be football players. And if it's mostly football players, I can already see the Title IX lawsuit happening. Oh, you know what? It's gonna it's gotta be half half. That's right. I, I think that was explained earlier. But even if it that half half. If it's half half, then I just I don't understand how that works considering how large a football roster is compared to every single other right. sport in an athletic department. Okay, so if you have a hundred players on your team, let's just make it a hundred. Right. Uh, and they all get thirty thousand, then you take your women's volleyball, your softball. Oh, I don't know if you have women's wrestling, gymnastics, what, what, all of the uh, Olympic sports that women play. You pick a hundred of the top ones, and they get the thirty thousand. That's how it's going to work out. But I, I think what's going again, to no, happen. You know what? I take that. Go back. for it. Most football players and your a few basketball men's basketball players. Right. So then, so some football players are going to be slighted. Now imagine being that. But they're couple already being slighted now. They're being slighted now, but they're about to be even more slighted in my opinion because not only is it a $30,000 salary I'm not sure if this was uh, um, specified in it but it would also here it is and Baker also proposed allowing all division one schools to offer unlimited educational benefits and enter into name image likeness licensing deals with athletes so every single athlete would be getting unlimited educational benefits how does that work financially I I don't know now, $30,000 is like making $2,500 a month. It's not that much money. You could have, you could have your, your trust fund where you get $2,500 a month and your uh, whatever stipend, I can't remember what it's called, and that could be up to, I think it's $2,500, something like that. So you can make like $5,000 a month, which is like a $60,000 a year job. Um, and... So I, I just I can see how that works when you're talking about um, some people getting slighted. That's how it is now. There are a lot of players on teams that don't get anything. The you know the the backup left guard isn't getting any nil money from some places. They might be getting some from a little bit from some collectives here and there. 
but they're not getting name, image, and likeness deals like quarterbacks and wide receivers and, you know, uh, shut down corners or edge rushers. I Have you guys talked about the University of Oregon um, situation with their beach volleyball program this week? No. So, right, so this kind of happened at the same time. This is probably around the same time that the UH Oregon game was happening for uh, women's volleyball. But there was a Title IX lawsuit that got filed against the University of Oregon from their beach volleyball program and I believe also their sailing club. But part of it is the, you know, usual <laughs> Title IX's issue of, you know, the team receiving zero scholarships. One, the only team out of the 20 varsity sports in Eugene that received zero scholarships. And according to the Oregonian, no other Power 5 team spends zero on scholarships, according to a bunch of hundreds of public request records and all that stuff. You mean in sailing? No, in beach volleyball. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sailing. In, in beach volleyball. Yes, and they public oh, everyone it- else offers scholarships except Oregon. Yes, Well, they're committed to the program, aren't they? Yeah, and they have no facility. Think about that. The team that in Oregon, one of the most forward-thinking like colleges in terms of facilities and all of this stuff, they have no facility for their beach volleyball program. They have to go to a city park where the only spectators, the only things they could sit on is like this old dilapidated bench. It's like a, so, it's a really sad photo. But the other part of that lawsuit is also aiming at NIL and collectives citing that female athletes do not receive the same amount of money and attention that men do in this in the sports world, too. So I'm not sh- I haven't read super into that specific part yet, but I really do think depending on which direction this lawsuit goes, that's going to stem that's going to cause a lot of branching to go off, I think, pretty immediately in terms of NIL and gender equity. Okay, so the now first of all, what it sounds like is Oregon is like, hey, you know, we're putting everything into our basketball and football programs, so we need to, you know, for you know the federal assistance that all colleges get, we need to make sure we're following this Title IX thing. Right. Put together a beach volleyball. Co- no, don't give them scholarships or anything. Just you know, put you know, if they want to come play beach volleyball, let them. But we're not going to support them or anything. But they've That's also been. Sounds like they've also told recruits that they will be getting a facility. The last five years, they've told them that a couple of times. Apparently, how tough is it to get a facility? Look at the University of Hawaii's right. facility. It's nice. Um, I'd rather have them play on the beach. You know, all their <laughs> matches on the beach myself. But I mean, it doesn't take up a lot of square footage. It's uh, you know, it's a nice looking facility. You have you know your locker rooms and you've got a couple of courts and. It's nice. And then like How two, hard was that? Two other things on that. The um, ex- total operating expenses in 2021 and 2022 for the beach volleyball team in Oregon totaled to around $296,000. The next lowest was the men's tennis program with $834,000. With every other team after those spending nearly a million dollars. And the locker rooms that the beach volleyball are given at Oregon – are usually allotted to visitors. Okay. I mean, you know, so it it's, could be worse. You could have visiting <laughs> football teams dress in the, you know, in the concourse of a baseball stadium. True, 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 true. <laughs> the bathrooms <laughs> could be porta potties. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's uh, 18 minutes after here with the sports animals. Gary Dickman's out a couple of days. We'll be right back with, uh, actually, coming up, uh, Steve Largent uh, will be joining us in about 15 minutes. Yes, that's Steve Largent, the Hall of Famer. 
Coming up, also want to remind you that on uh, December 12th, you can join myself and Cole Mousoff. It's our fourth edition of the student section, live from Autosource Carousel at the corner of Kapiolani and Keiamoku. Uh, we'll be chatting with some amazing high school and college student athletes. And then later on, we put it on YouTube so you can see how beautiful I am. It's uh, once again brought to you by Autosource and Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. We'll be right back. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, good morning. Steve Largent is in town, and uh, he's here for a uh, an event for uh, Youth for Christ. And we'll talk to uh, the Hall of Famer coming up in a few minutes. Very excited. And I, I, I was going to ask this question, but I don't know if he has a great sense of humor. Um, or he might just think you're just stupid. But if you remember, now the Seattle Seahawks uh, joined the NFL back in 1976. And that for the longest time, their uniforms really bugged me because the the numbers on the front of their jerseys were so big that it, it was like the back of the jerseys. It was it looked like the Seahawks were wearing their jerseys backwards. <laughs> Am I the only person who thought that? I don't know why that really bothered me, but it did. I feel like I'm but like the worst person to like parrot this conversation as a child. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, uh, but we'll I do ask, like the, uh, the maybe uh, maybe I will bring it up and see what he says. I do love that they did bring back those uniforms though for throwbacks this season. I think they've worn it twice now this year. At least those colorways. They didn't bring back the huge numbers. I think that you're referring right. to, but at least the colorways and that silver helmet. I think it's one of the best looks right now going on in the NFL. But that's just oh, me, sure. a lover of uniforms. So well, I can always what? talk about uniforms. <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals black and white uniform is is pretty mm. good too. Yeah? No? All right. I think I, I know uh, what you're talking about now. It took me a little while because I was thinking, oh, what's going on for them this season? But I forgot those the are the, the black and whites. Yeah, those are nice too. Yeah. All right, let's go to the uh, text line, 808-296-1420. Uh, this one says, at first, the proposed tier ses- uh, system that the NCAA president, um, the first, uh, th- anyway, the, 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 the proposed tier system uh, didn't sit well with uh, the texter. However, as I am processing this, actually may be good for Hawaii and other mid-majors like Hawaii. It clarifies and identifies status and will allow each school to compete and give their best within schools uh, still like them. He's still processing. And that's the question I had at the top of the hour was, how does this affect the University of Hawaii? How does it affect our athletic program? And one of the things I thought is, well, maybe, I mean, these guys are operating on a different level. Look at the scores of some of these non-conference games. It's like you're watching uh, high school football in Hawaii, for example. It's really the, what you're with these with this situation of the haves and have-nots. The NIL and transfer portal has made it even more so. So, my question is: If we're playing in a different tier, how does that affect attendance and interest 
at not only Hawaii, but other mid-majors? So I got two things. One, Alabama beat South Florida 17-3 to this year. I don't think you see that much about Alabama the last couple of years. So I actually don't think the separation between the group of five and the power five is as bad as it used to be. I actually do think that there is a lot more parity going on this year, the last couple of years, especially in college football. The one thing I worry about for the University of Hawaii is when we talk about people that say, oh, we should move down to the FCS because that's where we'll be a lot more competitive, is that, well, the issue with moving down to FCS is we are going to be losing a lot, a lot of money in terms of you know football being the main revenue get, uh, gainer. You have all the money comes in from people watching. If you add a new tier and those schools like the SECs, the Big Ten schools, all of them move up, what happens to the financial situation for the schools that lie in between FCS right. and that new tier? That's my okay. biggest worry. Uh, okay, and that's and that's the, the thought. If Hawaii goes to FCS, which is stupid, but say Hawaii does go to FCS, then shut her down, close it up, back up the truck, and you know enjoy club sports. Right. Because number one, FCS teams are not going to travel here. They don't have enough money. So when you're talking about that little money and that little scholarships, you know, high school football again will be the rule that will be the rule here in Hawaii. So you won't even have a football program, which means you won't have anything else. So but if you're still division one and you're playing teams like oh, I don't know, oh I was gonna say SMU, but they're in a power five. I don't know, give me some you're playing Rice. Oregon State. And Boise State and Rice. And I'll say this, I though. I think people will, st- people will still go. They'll still attend. You'll still be a viable football program. But I think there are some of those kind of top-tier group of five teams that will sa- find their ways of funding their way into that new dear, uh, dear one. I'm Now I'm doing it, too. The new D1 tier of college football that is being proposed by Charlie Baker, something that I saw that Ohio State's athletic director was very fond of that idea. So, yeah, we probably won't see those Ohio State's, those Michigan's, those games that we get absolutely blown out in, sure. But I also Uh do worry about those teams that we can compete against and show that, hey, we can play at a top-tier level when we are playing very well. That's what I worry about is a lot of those kind of opportunities. Okay, now this is not a conference-by-conference decision. This is uh, university-by-university. So you could have Vanderbilt saying, no thanks, we're not into that, we're going to stay at this tier, right? So you might have uh, 10 teams in the SEC who want to go to, let's call it the open division, right? for for lack of anything else. We'll call this one the open division and the next one division one to confuse nobody. Exactly. But so we're going to be in the open division. Vanderbilt and Mississippi State, you guys can stay in Division One, so you can you can pick and choose. I don't know what that kind of looks like as a whole, but that's the proposal. I wonder though, once it gets to that new uh, D one tier, do those schools that move to that D one tier just look at the NCAA and say? well, why are we even part of this membership at this point? Because we're funding all this money ourselves. What is the NCAA doing for us other than hindering our process? Well, that's and they've been been talking about that for 20 years. Exactly. The haves have been talking about saying, 
you know what? Uh, you better. And the NCAA has folded uh, on some of these things. You've ha- you'll have somebody like Alabama say, you know, if the NCAA is investigating them, saying, really, you really want to investigate us? You want us to leave? Oh no, 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 no! Investigation off. They, they can. And, and what Charlie Baker is it? Charlie Baker? Yes. What Charlie Baker's doing here probably is saying, okay, now I'm the president. Let me get out in front of this, and let me let me let me do something just for the big boys, because we don't want the big boys to leave. We need to leech off all of this big boy TV contract money. That's what he's doing. That's all he's doing is saying, hey, let, let me uh, let me sh- guys, I'm on your side. We don't need these little these little uh, these little flies, you know, you know, circling around our heads. Which is a change for the NCAA. But I mean, that's what that, that's all he's doing here is saying, "Hey, let me let me try and save this before these guys go away." That's what we're talking about. It's uh, seven thirty-one with the sports animals. This is ESPN Honolulu Hall of Famer Steve Largent joins us next. Also, I uh, want to let you know that you can uh, well, you could win a thousand dollars cash playing pigskin picks. Play at ESPNHonolulu.com. It's uh, brought to you by M Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. We'll be right back. The holly green, the ivy green, the prettiest picture you've ever seen is Christmas in Kilauea. Happy Hump Day, Sports Animals, back here on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman will be back in a couple of days. Uh, as we've been uh, uh, mentioning, we're so excited to have Hall of Famer Steve Largent on the show. He joins us now on ESPN Honolulu. Aloha. Good morning, Steve. Aloha, Chris. I'm doing well. Thank you. All right. Now, I have a question. First of all, and I mentioned you're here for an event at uh, uh, for Youth for Christ, uh, good partners of the radio station. And this is something I was talking with my partner Tanner here a second ago. And I don't know if this is just too silly or if this has been mentioned before, but when the Seahawks came into the league, when the Seattle Seahawks came into the league in 1976, and for the longest time I always thought, why are the jersey numbers so large on the front of the jersey? It looked like the Seahawks were wearing their jerseys backwards. Am I the only one to kind of reveal that? (laughs) I think it was because – we couldn't remember our numbers, and so they made it really big to remember them. <laughs> I, think, I think it was because we had such small players that the numbers were bigger. <laughs> By the way, uh, Steve Largent, at his time of retirement from football, held uh, you know basically every uh, wide receiver uh, record there is. I'm, you know, I'm trying to remember, where did the Seahawks and Tampa Bay come from? Was it was it wasn't the wfl or anything where where did the teams come from did they just you know um were they just expansion teams or did they come from another league i know that sounds like a silly question no they did not they did not come from another league uh they they the the league decided they wanted to expand their numbers and so they wanted to have one team on the east coast one team on the west coast and they found two owners uh the nordstrom family in seattle and i don't know who the owner was in tampa bay but uh, an owner down there, and so they introduced two new teams in the same year, uh, so that the, the the league would maintain the balance uh, that they had. And so, other than that, I, don't, I really don't know anything else about the 
actual goings and comings of, of uh, the league office or anything like that. But uh, I just know that the Seahawks came into the league in 1976, as you said, and uh, they had both Tampa Bay and, and Seattle, they had the expansion draft. So they were drafting players who were already playing in the NFL for another team. If that team didn't want to keep, well, that, that team got to keep about 30 or, or maybe 40 of their players. They could protect them. And all the other players that they had were up for grabs by either Seattle or Tampa Bay. And uh, that was the expansion draft. And then we entered into the real draft and uh, got guys like uh, Sherman Smith and other guys like that. And uh, me, uh, so uh, Steve Niehaus was the first draft choice by the Seahawks from, from uh, Notre Dame. And uh, that, that, was, uh, that, that was really the, the creation of uh, two new teams in the league. Was Jim Zorn the original quarterback? I seem to remember there might have been somebody a little bit before Jim Zorn. No, Jim was the original quarterback. Okay. He, he was fighting for the starting position. Uh, I can't even remember. There was uh, we had a quarterback that was came from uh, Arizona, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. Steve something. I can't remember his name, but uh, he was one of the quarterbacks. And then Jim was the first team quarterback. Uh, but yeah, he 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 commandeered that uh, position and was our starting quarterback for the first I don't know six or seven years of the league uh, in the of the team. What, okay, this is a question you probably get a lot is, I mean, some of the differences between football then and football now, uh, you know, of course, speed and the size of players. I mean, you've got edge rushers who, you know, who can, you know, run a four, you know, four, eight, forty or something like that. What are some, besides the rules and really the size of players and stuff like that, you know what, don't give me the difference. What are some of the similarities that remain the same in football from back then to now? Well, I, I think the game is as fun to watch uh, now as it's ever been. Uh, and I think that the, the changes that have been made uh, in, in terms of uh, emphasizing the passing game is makes it a more fun game because I'm a receiver, so I love to see uh, quarterbacks back and, and receivers going – down and getting the ball. I think the the biggest change in the game. I'm, I'm going to start there because that's what I, I I really like to talk about is the fact mm. that you can have three or four really top notch receivers and maybe one or two running backs, um, and you don't even see very many uh, teams running with uh, two running backs in the backfield now. Uh, so that that's uh, the thing that's changed is that just the emphasis on the, the passing game and the quarterback and the receivers and uh, making great catches. Uh, but the thing that, that has changed also is the contact of the game. Uh, because when I played back in the 70s and 80s, and uh, the, the game was a lot more physical. And, and actually, I think the game is safer now. Uh, although you still see some pretty vicious hits, uh, they, they've they've changed some of the rules so that the game, to me, is safer and it's smarter to do that. Uh, but when we played uh, back in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, uh, it was a full contact game, and if they knocked you out of the game, they they won. Mm. And uh, so it, it's just it was it was much more physical game then, uh, and it was. Uh, 
uh, a lot, I guess, I guess you would say more violent. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was, I mean, it was, it was full on contact. Yeah. The Hall of Famer Steve Largent with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. I want to get into uh, switch gears in a second. My last question is maybe a lot of people don't realize this. You were not drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. T- take us through the, the beginning of your career, where you started and how you ended up with Seattle. Well, I, I was uh, came out of the University of Tulsa in Oklahoma and was drafted in the fourth round by the Houston Oilers. And so I was going down to Houston. I, I mean, we never got any games of the Oilers uh, in Tulsa or Oklahoma. Uh, so I didn't follow them. I didn't know anything about them. Bum Phillips was the second-year head coach the year I was mm-hmm. drafted uh, and did a great job with the Oilers, a good coach. Uh, and I, all I knew was I was excited about being drafted, and I was going down there to play for the Houston Oilers. Well, I got to Houston, and I didn't know this, but they were looking for other receivers, uh, not just me. And so they had brought in a number of veterans from other teams uh, that they picked up or traded for. Uh, and and so they, there was a heavy competition going on. I mean, at the time they had Billy White, Shees Johnson, and mm. then they had some so – I was really a good receiver too – I can't remember his name, but uh, anyway, they had two good receivers, and they, they needed some more, and they had drafted another wide receiver in the second round uh, the year before. He came from Kansas, I believe, uh, but they, they had a lot of receivers in, in the, in the uh, hopper, and they were trying to find you know three or four receivers to uh, play with, and by the time I got out of training camp, or just, we were just about to break training camp, Bum Phillips called me into his office and said, "Steve, we're just we're just not going to uh, need you here. We've we've got other receivers. We think they'll be better than you, and so we're going to let you go and and give you a chance with somebody else." This was with two weeks of training camp left. Wow! And <clears throat> this was after four weeks of training camp. Uh, I got cut, and uh, so I didn't know what that meant. I, I just packed up my stuff and drove my car back from Houston to Tulsa. I said for. Oklahoma City, actually, where my wife's family was. So I headed up there, and then I was depressed and, and uh, just really uh, figuring I was going to have to put my degree to work sooner than I thought. And um, uh, But I got a call from Seattle after about 24 hours, and they said, look, if you want another chance to play in the NFL, uh, we want to give it to you, and uh, we, we'll, get, we'll send you a plane ticket and uh, get up here as quickly as you can. And I said, okay, um, mm-hmm. I'm on my way. And so I thought, well, here, this is my second chance. And the thing about being uh, taken by the Seahawks was the fact that my offensive coordinator and quarterback coach and receiver coach was Jerry Rome. And Jerry had signed with the Seahawks that offseason. So he was up there and knew how I could play. And, and, and also he had put in our entire passing game into the Seahawks game plan. Ah. So I was going to be up up running the same routes that I had run for three years in college and I knew all the plays I knew you know what the adjustments were uh, so it was like you know going home and uh, and really getting caught up in a, in a good situation that I had played for three years in college and, and played pretty well uh, in college under that system so uh, it was it was like a second chance for me and uh, Jerry Rome really gave me that second chance. And I took advantage of it. I think my first year I caught 52 passes, Woo. and uh, and so from there on I, I was uh, I was I was there. 
All right. We don't mean to keep you so long, but I do want to get a word out about uh, uh, Hui Lokagi. What is Hui Lokagi, and and why is that important to you? Well, this is this is a, a group that has formed, and I'm really proud of them to, to see what they've done uh, between Young Life and FCA and YFC, and then there's another group for uh, younger kids. I can't remember the name of it. I, it's never existed in my lifetime, but um, there's four different groups that are coming together to have a fundraiser, uh, and their mission is to make sure that every kid before he graduates from high school gets the chance to hear the message of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a great idea. And so I'm over here speaking for a fundraiser they're having uh, tonight from 5 to 9 at the hotel that I'm staying in. I can't remember the name of the hotel. but Prince Hotel. Right a Prince Hotel, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're having it right here. And uh, I, I'm really uh, excited about what they're doing. Uh, it's really novel. There's not a lot of places in the country that are doing uh, this type of effort. Uh, we're doing it jointly with four different groups and having the same mission. And so I'm really excited about uh, being here. And although I'm not here very long, I'm going to be here and uh, speak this evening and uh, hope it goes really well. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, the um, folks, if you want uh, to learn more about what's going on tonight at the Prince, YFCH i.org uh youth for christ uh, is the uh, organization uh, i remember a couple of years ago maybe it was even before the pandemic it was uh oh gosh what was his name jay schrader was here supporting the cause i thought that was kind of cool really i didn't know that yeah but um anyway uh gosh it's been great uh talking with you and I'm sure the uh, the listeners are just uh, tickled with the conversation. Thank you, Steve, and we'll keep plugging this. Good luck. Well, thank you guys so much. This is one of my favorite places in the world is right here in Hawaii, and I'm glad to be back here even if it's only for a short time. All right. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Steve Largent there on ESPN Honolulu, the Hall of Famer. So YFCHI.org tonight at the Prince Hotel. Uh, Steve Largent will be speaking uh, for a very, very good cause. Wasn't that fun? Uh, did you want to ask any questions? I kind of hog cheese the Hall of Famer there, Dan. Oh, no. I mean, like, you could tell that he was at one point a politician because he could talk. No, he was awesome. <laughs> it was he awesome. Was, no, and I mean was, that in a, in a perfectly, like, complimentary yeah. way. But, yeah, like, totally it was open. it was just fun to listen to, honestly. It, it's it's I like talking to some of the old timers because the – you know, now I don't know Steve Large. I don't know what he was like in the '80s or what his personality was like. I know he's always been, you know, reported as a good guy, but um, you know, a lot of times you're talking to college football players, and they're very quiet. And they, you know, maybe they don't trust you or whatever. But ten years after they graduate, they're the most articulate, fun people out there. So that was uh, that was nice. Uh, by the way, if you didn't know, he's a congressman for eight years. Uh, from Oklahoma, uh, he um, he vacated his seat to run for governor. He uh, narrowly lost that. But uh, great to have Steve Largen along with us. And thank you uh, to the guys from Youth for Christ for uh, loaning them to us for today. Hey, speaking of the NFL, we're going to check your traffic in a second. But speaking of the NFL, you can uh, check out 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar in the uh, Pearl City Shopping Center for all your NFL action. they got a great menu and uh, great food 
as well on that great menu. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, who broke them out at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar? Check it out for uh, their um, all the NFL action. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Snowman was a jolly, happy soul with a corn cob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made you ready. I think the mics are hot. Are they hot? I'm touching them. Warm to the touch. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Let's go to the news desk at the Paxa Studios downtown. Tanner? Well, I guess I'm just like in the normal desk right now. (laughs) But it's announced Craig Bowl, head coach of Wyoming the last 10 years, will be retiring after their bowl game is finished this year. He'll be riding off into the sunset. To quote him, he'll have one more game before he rides off into the sunset as an old cowboy. Wow, that has it been 10 years? 10 years. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, one of the most but, successful uh, head coaches in Wyoming football history. Well, also, wherever he came from, Montana or Montana State right. or South Dakota, South Dakota, wherever he was before that. I mean, he was an, F- he was an FCS legend. Wow, I did not see that coming. That is very sudden at a very awkward time of the year to announce that. I hope health-wise he's okay. Well, yeah, because then you think about with Fresno State and their situation with Jeff Tedford, who isn't retiring, isn't resigning, but he is having some kind of health issue that will be stopping him from uh, participating in the bowl game this year. So it's a lot of head coaching movement going on in the Mountain West this year. And so far, yeah. it's all been pretty much resolved because uh, it was also announced that the defensive coordinator, Jay Savell, will be named the head coach, uh, just being promoted from defensive coordinator. He's been there for the last four years, and it's been a very good Wyoming defense the last four years. Oh, yeah, and they've put a number of guys in the NFL. You know, whenever you see uh, a, a guy with long blonde or brown hair in the NFL playing safety or linebacker, they're usually from Wyoming. I mean, it's documented. Check it out. They have the greatest-looking linebackers out there in the NFL. You think of, like, Logan Wilson. He's been right. one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Right. As of now, they've put, they've put some good guys. Well, gosh, I know that uh, Tedford's had some health problems in the past. But anyway. <laughs> right. Oh, excuse me. I got I got this post-nasal drip thing that is not going away. Top stories are coming up next on ESPN. Oh, no, no, no. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Gary Dickman's away. Tanner Hayworth and Chris Hart with you this morning on ESPN. Honolulu. We'll get to our uh, phone calls and texts in just a second. Top stories we're following today is uh, really um, college football. Is it possible? Will they move forward with adding another tier to Division One sports. It feels like 2012 and the Mayan calendar is running out of days <laughs> at this point, but it's certainly a worry for a lot of us mid-majors and maybe the lower-tier Power 5 schools. Will we be kind of relegated to a weird limbo between FBS and FCS? That's the main worry. And the Nike Iolani Classic for girls starts tomorrow. Kamehameha coach... Uh, Pua Strait's going to join us in just a few minutes, but got some top 
talent coming to the islands for and that. it's like perfect timing football just ending girls volleyball just ending now it's time to start a whole new season for uh boys and girls basketball which has already been going very well considering last week's um uh, tournament that was going on in kailua that i know uh, josh had a great time broadcasting that last week so excited for a lot more hoops action going on all right congratulations to amber igd she was uh, named the avca all north region first team all-star player uh yada 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 another great award for amber igd akin to uh kate lang winning big west setter of the week every single week we knew this was going to happen, but at the same time, it just feels good as kind of like this final send-off for one of the best players to do it at the University of Hawaii in Amber GD. All right. Uh, keep listening. we got uh, men's basketball tickets we will be giving away this hour for Sunday at the Stan Sheriff Center. We did mention a few minutes ago that Craig Bowl, the Wyoming coach, has retired. The D.C. will now be the H.C. for the Cowpokes. We have somebody on the line. And I don't remember Kent. who it was already. Hi, Kent. How's it going? Hey, how's it, animals? This brother Kent, regular caller. How are you guys? <laughs> Good. Hi. Good to hey, hear you. So I wanted to offer. I wanted to offer a different way of looking at the upper tier. You know, the upper tier going to do its thing. So things like the nas- the national championship, the, the playoff on New Year's that we see, and these will all be pay per view in the future. We see that coming already. Yeah. Oh. But let me talk about how it impacts U eight. So football in the national landscape, it's a big pie that everybody wants a piece of, right? So I'm going to look at it through the lens of upward mobility, not in terms of going backwards. Mm-hmm. So whenever we say F. FCS or what have you, um, man, flags go up and triggers go up for many Hawaii fans because we feel like we're not going to go backwards. We're a D1 team. Yeah, 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 cool. But what I'm talking about is the upper tier of FCS is no joke, man, okay? And they don't want to stay there either. They want to enter the upper tier. So let's say the Mountain West upper tier get poached to the pack. Who creates the new Mountain West or the new wax that's trying to do football too? Okay, There is really a very limited West Coast presence in, in that football game. So FCS folks at the top upper levels are going to want to move up to, and that's where UH is going to hover. And everybody always going to want to still want to get a piece of that pie. So rather than thinking about, oh, we're going to go backwards or whatever, nah, man, this game is moving forward, and it's full of dollar bills, my brothers. And that's all I got. Hey, thanks, Kent. Have a great rest of your week, brother. Happy holidays. I'd like some dollar bills. I, I see what I see. What he's saying is, look, it's because what he's saying is what we mentioned earlier. You've already got a separate tier. Now they just want to recognize it. So basically, there's you know, in college football is I don't know. Last I checked, with mid majors, it's still doing okay, right? They've still got television contracts, you know, not the size of, you know, others. But your mid-majors are doing fine. Um, this is just saying, hey, you know what? We're, we want to we be able to govern ourselves in this, we'll call it the open division again. In this open division, uh, we want to be able to talk about how big, we want to decide how big our rosters are. We want to decide how much money we give our kids. We want to make all of these decisions apart from, what everyone else is doing. You see, what you other little people are doing is holding us back. That would be the view of Ohio State, which was made obvious yesterday, right? So that's their view. They're already doing it. They just want to take it to another 
a whole nother level if that makes sense yeah i think that does make sense and it's probably good to think about it in terms of like thinking about like an open division and a division one kind of thing look we probably want to aim to be more like the waipahus than like what try to think like the moana luas if that makes sense because moana lua if you think about it in terms of football open division one yeah they made that move up but like they're not really doing that well at all yeah it's whereas tough. you look like a waipahu you know they're doing pretty great right now. I mean they what won I they, they won states. I'm pretty sure. Waipahu, um, yeah, Waipahu yeah, so over Konawina. So hey, let's aim to be one of the best in Division One, and I think yeah. that's the next way to go there. Right, uh, you know, and that when you bring up Moana Lua, well, that's their own that's their own fault. Um, you know, they're just not recruiting the way they could. Obviously, yeah, they're not using. That high school transfer portal that that we know exists. I was making a funny. Ha <laughs> It's funny, I actually. Am See, writing. because you can't just transfer to Moana Lua anymore no. and say because you want to join the orchestra. No, that doesn't fly anymore. Unless you know you're from Canada, Texas, or California, and you want to join the University of Hawaii men's volleyball program. Yes. Let's move on. <laughs> Our text line is open. I just, I just tease. Great people. I know a lot of great people. Hey, we love to uh, tease. We love to poke. They, hey, uh, best d- bathrooms in the state. Oh, really? They're the best. Uh, oh, I don't what know. What do you mean? I don't know. What do you uh, mean? Gosh, where was Greg Tacone before Kamehameha? Oh, he was at Moanalua. You know what? You're right. Those are the guys. You know who built those bathrooms? Greg Tacone. I don't think he lives in Hawaii anymore. <laughs> Coach Tacone, who was at Moanalua, Punahou and Kamehameha, he, when he was at, he built, he had those bathrooms all refurbished. And right. it's like a weird thing to joke about, but it is also like very true that. Well, well it's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's very much true that they're I, some of the best bathrooms that you'll ever be in. Yeah. If you it, ever find you know. yourself there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Nine minutes after the hour here. Keep listening. We got those uh, Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets to give away. Let's go to the uh, text line here at 808. 808- Two nine six fourteen twenty, and I pressed something funny, Tanner, and I got all of. I got all of uh, the off the bench texts. Oh boy. All right. Well, until I figure out how to. For, okay, here we go. Thank you, uh, Alan out in Conway. Thank you for texting. Um, Alan wants to know: Is there any rebroadcast? or podcast of Bobby Curran's uh, talk with Charlie Wade. Uh, yes, you can get that later today if it's not up yet, but later today at ESPNHonolulu.com. I believe it's an on the uh, on-demand uh, tab that you can switch on. Or it's Very wherever you find, find your podcasts as well, like on Spotify. If oh, you really? look up ESPN Honolulu okay. on Spotify, that mm. should have the uh, regularly updated on of the shows that are on demand uh, when they are up. Usually takes we, like a, an hour or a couple of hours after the show's up. We had uh, Steve Largent, the Hall of Famer, on last hour, and uh, he was um, talking about uh, his days when he got drafted by the Oilers before he went to the Seahawks. And they had Billy White Shoes Johnson. He couldn't think of the other receiver. And I knew who he was talking about, but somebody texted in as well. The receiver, Ken Burrow. They wrote Ken Burrows, but Ken Burrow, if it's not, if I'm not mistaken, did Ken Burrow wear double zero? I'm not asking you. I'm just asking in general. 
There was somebody on the Oilers that wore double zero. You know, that's one of the teams that I'm sorry if you're a Titans fan, but that the, the, that's the worst thing that they could have done is get rid of the Houston Oilers. Even the Tennessee Oilers, I think, or the Nashville Oilers, whatever they were for that first year. The Oilers and that logo belong in the NFL. It's, the Titans thing is just, it's bad. It's a bad uniform. It's a bad logo. And now it's a bad football team. And it's funny. It does feel like, I think a lot of people brought this up this year when they were wearing the Houston Oilers jerseys this year. But oh, nice. it feels like it's awesome to see. But it feels like offensive in a way because it's like we have a team in Houston that could be wearing these uniforms on the regular in the Houston Texans because they could have Cleveland Browns did. You know what I mean? Like how the Cleveland Browns moved to Baltimore, but then they make the Cleveland Browns again. And, you know, the Ravens are nice enough to give them back all their history and all that stuff. Right, right, right. Why could that not be done for the Houston Texans or slash the Oilers? Well, it is, you know, your records, your rushing records, if it's held by Earl Campbell, that would be under the. That's that's all under Tennessee. the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, yeah. Which and you have a team in Houston. Just say, hey, why don't just when they were made? I feel like that would have been yeah. a perfect Cleveland Brown situation that just right. never happened. That's what they should have done. I mean, you got a head start on your identity, oh. on marketing, on everything. Uh, maybe the people who owned the, the Titans didn't want to give it up or something. I don't know, but it made sense to be an Oiler. And not a Texan. If, I mean, o- if only I were had any terms of being conscious when the Houston Texans were uh, being created. What year was that? What? The Houston Texans? Yeah. Was that like 2002 like or something? I, I forget. I mean, I was. Yeah, I was. You know, I, look, I was but a wee a guy, babe. I was but a wee talking, babe. You're talking to a guy who thought <laughs> that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks came from the WFL. So I'm anyway. I could have. Uh, I could have told you that they were a brand new league. Tampa Bay is my team. Uh, an expansion team. Yeah. Anyway, oh, and twenty-seven, uh, baby. A lot of uh, calls. A lot of texts here. Ken Burrow, and I thought it was Ken Burrow, not Ken Burrows. But here's another Ken Burrows. Uh, he wore double zero for Houston. And he played receiver. Thank you very much. Uh, Alan says, thank you. The two answers is better. <laughs> uh, you, so you can go to the website or to Spotify. Uh, Ken Burrow was double zero. Bum Phillips would be proud, Chris. Thank you very much. <laughs> Another one saying Ken Burrow. Man, Ken Burrow never got so much recognition in Honolulu Radio ever. Okay. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, we were trying to think of uh, with uh, Steve Largent because he's our new friend that the Tampa Bay Bucks owner uh, back in the day in expansion time was Hugh Culverhouse. Hugh Culverhouse. Our next text at 808-296-1420 is regarding uh, people trying to uh, influence the board of directors, the board of regents, (laughs) excuse me, at the University of Hawaii to, you know, have their candidate who they think should be president shoot in. And President Lassner shoot out, and it says, uh, cannot wait until DMK and her kind retire and finally go away. Thank Mm. you for that text. Now, when you talk about those three politicians, and there's no, you know, I don't know who it is. The article doesn't mention. Right, any of the three. Right, any of the three people, but we can kind of guess who's been criticizing the university and David Lassner all these years. And 
this is a thing so when I you think, think about of, it. Hold on Sorry. real quick. The, I, the, I, we don't know who they are, but if they are who we thought they were, as they say in sports, you don't have to wait for them to retire. You see, here in America, we have this system <laughs> where you vote people in every few years. Now, just don't vote them in anymore. Enforce the retirement. That's my advice. And, like, to be fair, I don't really know much about what else they've done uh, because – for at least for us in the sports world, the main thing that we focus on most is how they and their relationships are with the University of Hawaii. So I can't say anything to what they've done for their districts that they represent. It just feels like with how much tension there's been between the legislature and the University of Hawaii, I feel like someone would say, hey, you guys are kind of creating this weird, toxic relationship between us and the university. We should probably think of maybe appointing new chairs at there least. Okay. I feel like that that would be the – like without like charging for someone's like job, if that makes sense. Just say, hey, man, someone up there has just got to be kind of aware of this situation, I feel like, at this point. Well, I, and, and again, these are powerful people, so people would rather uh, join them than beat them. Right. Is is what is is what you're happening over there? These are people who just want to hang on to their jobs. Now, here in Hawaii, we should have something called. This is a bad word I'm about to say. If your kids are listening, cover their ears. In Hawaii, we should have term limits. Chris, term limit. Chris, you can't just say that on live radio. <laughs> Don't press that button, Liz. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Okay, uh, uh, why not bring back? Oh, that's for Josh. Sorry, Josh. I don't mean to read your texts. Um, regarding college athletics at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty, what's going to really screw up collegiate sports is that the thirty thousand dollar proposed minimum. That's when we talked about this proposal that's out by the president of the NCAA saying let schools at a certain tier, at the top tier, give half of their student-athletes, half men and half women, uh, $30,000 in a trust fund. So the texter is saying it's going to be an arm race to compete with one another, so those amounts are going to skyrocket. A, a select few elite P5, uh, Power 5 universities will be able to afford it, but I think many other Power 5 schools overextend themselves and get into bad financial trouble, which we're already starting to see. And I think the president realizes that, and that's why he he actually came out and said, it's not going to be a conference-by-conference a conference decision. It's going to be up to individual universities. Yeah, and when it comes to those individual universities, we all know what universities we're talking about here. We're talking about Alabama. We're talking about Ohio State. We're talking about University of Michigan. I mean, in regards to this entire statement or proposal from Charlie Baker, one of the first comments, I think one of the only comments from any athletic director is from Ohio State's where he straight up said that he is 100% supportive of the efforts that intercollegiate athletics needs the proactive and forward thinking that Baker is providing. And I'll say this because I think I, the more I talk about it, the more comfortable I get about thinking about it in different perspectives and that, sure, the mid-majors already get a pretty 
gr- uh, pretty solid financial sum when it comes to broadcast and all right. of that. So uh-huh. maybe that's not necessarily going away. It's just offering a new venue for a lot of these top tier schools to really provide a lot for the for their student athletes. And one thing I do have to say about Charlie Baker, even though I'm not a huge fan of this idea, it's a new idea. And it's him being proactive. And that's something that we really can't say much about the NCAA is that they're proactive, is that they tend to react and wait until they're sued or until the Supreme Court is forcing them to do something. Right. And, and, you know, the the whole thing about Charlie Baker, the president, the new president, he was like governor of Massachusetts or something like that before this. And excuse my voice. I'm just it's going. But the thing he's doing is he's just trying to get, like I said before, he's just trying to get out in front of this. Hey, let's before these guys leave the NCAA, we really want, you know, we really like, you know, leeching off some of their money. So before they leave, let's let's get a little more. <laughs> let's well, let's get as much as we can for as long as we can, because if they decide to go, the people in these the Ohio states and Michigans of the world, if they decide to go, the NCAA will still be, you know they'll still be thriving. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's, this is already happening. He just wants to make it official and make these guys happy that they can spend more money than each other. I'll tell you what, we do have a guest coming up. Uh, Pua Straight is with Kamehameha Girls Basketball. Uh, They got a big tournament starting tomorrow with the Eolani Classic. We'll talk to her and give away those UH basketball tickets right afterwards. It's coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. Just a reminder, you can join Chris Hart and Cole Melsoff for the student section. That's from Autosource Carousel. That's going on. Um, sorry, I have an older uh, read December here. That doesn't 12th. have a date. Thank you. December, December 12th, 12th at, at 7 Autosource. p.m. And we will be uh, talking with some great student athletes. They will be announced in the next day or two. And it's brought to you by Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. They're pretty I good apologize. chicken fingers. I, I apologize about, oh, yeah, everything to read about Raising Cane's. You're kidding me. Um, I apologize about my voice. It's uh, quickly going. But I did. Uh, I am a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking liar. I did mention that Pua Straight was going to join us. Uh, she's still in class, actually. She's going to join us, and we'll talk some Kamehameha. Uh, sports as we get into the Eolani Classic. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. So right now, if you want to win tickets to University of Hawaii Basketball, 5 o'clock this Sunday, be caller number two. You got to be quick. Second caller will give you the tickets at 808-296-1420. Go back to the text line. Uh, sure. Okay. While folks are dialing in, uh, the next texter says, UH, because we were talking about um, UH and the legislature and all of that. UH has some responsibility. It would be nice for admin to allow the athletic department to get parking concessions and athletic apparel money they generate. If not, quit saying we have to be self-sustaining in sports. So... The university has never come out and said we have to be self-sustaining in sports. It's, I believe it was the legislature. So when they, were at, when they go every year and they're asking uh, the ledge for money, they're saying, hey, we'll give you this much. 
you got to be self-sustaining in sports. Again, it just shows you that the politicians should not be, they don't know anything about college sports or athletics or how this works. 97% of college athletic programs don't generate a profit. You have it there for other reasons. So when you're saying, you guys, um, you know, when you're in Aloha Stadium and you have to pay for rent at one time, you don't get parking, you don't get concessions, you don't get anything, uh, but you got to be self-sustaining. They're just doing that because they're trying to put the president between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. They're trying to get, they're trying to give him hot robs, and that's a, that's why that came out. Now, a better question might be, Tanner, is, okay, where does the money go generated from parking and apparel? Does it go to University of... Now, parking goes to the parking department, which kind of makes sense to me, doesn't it? Well, with the whole parking services and a lot of the stuff that goes on there, I wonder how much of that money goes towards, you know, outside companies that they hire to run specific things. Because I do know that... Isn't it a similar thing to what how Blaisdell runs their parking is that they hire out another company to do a lot of those stuff there? Because I do know people that are that do work with UH Parking Services, but I'm uh-huh. also aware of another company that helps UH Parking Services for the reasons why they charge five dollars or when it's seven dollars for a basketball game or for twenty five dollars when it's a football game. Um, so so that like doesn't pro, really pro, make any sense. Like- Somebody like Pro Park, we, we have a vendor that kind of does those kinds of things. Is that what you're saying? Kind of a vendor? Yeah, that's uh, what I think. Out. And I, I think that's how that usually works out in terms of UH parking services. Not really sure where all the money for like apparel and all that stuff go towards, but Everything that I've heard in the past, in the last, you know, couple of months since I've, you know, talked with a lot of people from UH about parking, which is hilarious that for some reason the last couple of months I now know so much about (laughs) UH parking services. But, like, how none of it goes to athletics when it does really feel like, well, doesn't it feel like some of it should go to athletics unless they're using that money from parking services in terms of using it for infrastructure in the university. I'm just not sure how it's distributed. I mean, you can't say give all the money from parking to athletics. Well, did athletics build the parking lot? I mean, give them, you know what? Give the money to whoever can fix the elevator in the car parking complex. It's still down by the way. That, that doesn't make sense. To I me. was just there on Sunday. <laughs> you got a, you, okay, you got a basketball game coming up on Sunday. You got tons of Kapuna who are. Who, you, I hope nobody falls getting down those stairs. Well, I mean, like, luckily there is still that other elevator, the, a couple of other elevators working. It's just that you have to kind of walk backwards to go forward uh, in terms of that because it's near the um, other side of the parking structure, which right. is unfortunate because all the reserved spaces or all of the handicap spaces are on that front side of the parking. So, so I, I, yeah, I under, yeah, I understand Take how it doesn't the, make sense. You know what? Yes. You know what? Hey, hey. Do what the military does. Take the pot from the working elevator, put them in the broken elevator, and then everybody's going to be stay happy like that. I think that'll work. <laughs> Take the broken pot. <laughs> it's 831 with the Sports Animals. This is ESPN, Honolulu. And, um, you know, and a couple of more texts real quick. 
No, Chris, this is from the UH Board of Regents. They charge us more for parking during athletics events. Blame should be placed on the legislature, but also UH alumni. Uh, thank you for that text. It says the money goes to UH General Fund. Parking goes to pay bonds. So that's what somebody texted in. Thank you. Thank you for the uh, text. Okay, coming up, uh, I want to get a glimpse of, uh, uh, as we start high school basketball season here in Hawaii, we're going to visit the Lady Warriors at Kamehameha. Imua. They're going to join us coming up next year on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, remember now, you can upgrade your island style with Kahala. That's the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of their six stores here on the island or at Kahala.com. Did we get a winner? Okay. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. As we mentioned, we've got the uh, Nike Iolani Classic uh, coming up. Uh, it's actually starting tomorrow uh, uh, on uh, Iolani's campus. And that, that was actually a, a coincidence. I was uh, looking at Scoring Live's website the other day, which we often do. Uh, they do such a great job over there. And I see here that um, Kamehameha Girls Basketball seems to be on fire. So their coach, Pua Straight, joins us now hi coach ah trying to get coach on here and it must be oh now i can hear you just go a little bit there coach are you there yes did i move am i is this better don't don't move your head keep facing that direction first of all (laughs) excuse me excuse me for my voice i don't usually sound like Rod Stewart with a cold, but um, <laughs> con- congratulations on an undef- now. I don't want to botch you anything. I don't believe in that anyway. But congratulations so far <laughs> on an undefeated season. Congrat. What are you guys nine and zero? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so far it's still really early in the season though. But thank you. <laughs> okay, now uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of your players and give some shout outs to some girls and maybe some of the leadership on your team. Now, we all know stats, and we can see uh, what a great job Nihoa Dunn is doing, the yeah. six-foot sophomore. You've got some, um, you know, your point guards are, uh, are, are very good players. Give us, a, give us a feeling overall of what kind of team you've got here. Um, so this year is the first year where I think our team is a little bit more experienced. Um, last year we had five sophomores and five freshmen, um, on our team and we graduated one senior. So this roster is almost full of entirely returning players. And I think that's part of the success early on is that we haven't added that many new players to our roster for this year. So a lot of them are used to playing together. They're used to playing in the system, um, that we're running this year is it's really similar to last year. Um, so I think early on we've been doing good, um, in part due to that. Um, and then the other thing is I think we have a group that just is super bought in and they love each other and they love playing together. Um, uh-huh. they hold each other accountable. Um, and so I think that's another big part is that culture piece of, uh, why we've been successful in terms of results. Yeah. So and that, 
And I see what you're saying because last year you had one senior and this year you have two. You would still be considered, I would think, by some as a pretty young team. But you're saying, but we're looking at a young team that has a lot of experience. There's a difference, right? Yeah, for sure. I think the past two years, we've I've definitely felt we were a lot younger, like when I'm coaching. But I think just since mostly all of them have had at least one year on varsity under their belt, um, it feels like a much more experienced group. And we've been able to progress much quicker um, through what we need to get through in the preseason, like our offensive set, you know, defensively, what we're trying to do. We've been able to progress pretty quickly through that um, so far. Okay, we just got a – oh, look, we got a text, uh, Tanner. It says, Mahalo, Coach Pua. Girls love playing for her. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that is nice. Thank you. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about – and I know you're busy, but coming up, and I meant, we were mentioning this on the air last hour, uh, the Elani tournament is coming up, and um, tomorrow you guys are going to play a team called Sidwell Friends. And I thought – what a nice, friendly yeah. little school, uh, I, you know, they are. <laughs> and then you look at these guys. They're from, I believe, yeah, they're from Washington, D.C. They've got two players, five-star players, uh, who've already yep. committed to UCLA, one six two and one six three. How do you, wh- wh- how do you, how, how can you handle that? <laughs> Maybe handle That's isn't the right question. word. How are you going to approach this game? No, I know, but playing in the Elan Classic is, like, it's just such an amazing opportunity because they bring down not just talent from the mainland, but, like, top, top talent. So I think the last thing I saw said that Sidwell Friends is ranked number five, I think, in the nation for girls basketball (laughs) in high school. So just, like, having the opportunity to play a school like that and a team like that just to see where you're at and to get that experience, I think that's usually – how we approach these games in the Eleni Classic is like, this is such an amazing opportunity for you guys to be able to face this type of team um, and to just see where you're at, you know, and to just give it your all. And so we're super stoked to be able to, like, be able to play such a talented team. I think Uh for us, we want to see, like, we're really trying to solidify our defensive identity thus far in the preseason. So we want to see what we're able to do defensively against them. We're definitely smaller. Um, as the tallest person on our roster is six one, um, but yeah, hey, we're still yeah. You know what? Might, might I, Coach Pua straight from Kamehameha joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Coach, may I suggest a defensive tactic? Tactic. Uh, it's okay. three words: hack a shack. Just hack a shack. <laughs> that whole game. That's you know, five and, fouls. You can't go home with them, right? Oh, that's <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Okay, so uh, did you talk about uh, the Nike Iolani Classic bringing in this great talent from the mainland, the top talent, because besides Sidwell Friends in this tournament, you've got a team called Clovis West, and I believe they're from yep. Fresno. Uh, they have, I think they have maybe one loss. And you've got another, like, 9 and one team. I can't remember where they're from or what they're called. But, uh, yeah, Sierra top Canyon. talent. Down, yeah. Oh, Sierra oh, Canyon, Sierra. yeah. Sierra Canyon yeah. is here. Folks, you can catch these games on CBS 1500. Uh, Josh Pacheco, I believe, with the call on most games. But, uh, Coach, we just wanted to have you on. Wish you good luck. Learn a little bit more about your team 
And Tanner, did you have any questions we have for Coach? I mean, just overall good luck in taking down those friends from Sidwell. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank hey, you, thank uh, you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, you know what's good about this, though? After the Iolani Classic, whatever game you play, it's going to seem so easy. Right? After yes. playing the number five team in the nation? <laughs> right. No, no, we, uh, we, we kid, but at the same time, uh, glad to have you on the show, and we hope to do it again in the future. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Thank you, Coach. All right, uh, Pua Straight, Coach of Kamehameha Girls Basketball there. You know, I just checked the schedule, too. You know their first game after the Iolani Classic? Who? Punahou. <laughs> Well, so hopefully not too easy. Hopefully not too easy for both of our sakes. Well, in, in the, <laughs> it's it's girls basketball uh, in that open division or division one. I think they call it division one and girls basketball in the right. ILH. It's like the open division in football. They only have three teams. It's Kamehameha, Punahou, and Iolani. So they're playing each other constantly over and over and over again. It's like Punahou volleyball. Punahou and Kamehameha volleyball, right? It's like just ILH in general. <laughs> Well, yeah. We'll, I mean, we'll I, have three teams in this one division, and they'll all play each other like six times. That, that, that Cause that's because that's that's what eventually happens if you have like two really good schools is that they just play each other. Like was like for girls volleyball it was Punahou Kamehameha that went like five six times this year. And six then for, times, yeah. And then last year in boys volleyball, it was Punahou Kamehameha like five times last year too. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> I mean, because what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do if you know? If one team can't, if the other teams can't compete, right. I mean, it's just such a, a difference in talent. Uh, I don't want to. Iolani's not a huge school, but with Punahou and Kamehameha, I mean, two big schools right there. So they got such a huge talent pool to choose from. So you have smaller schools like Damien, uh, who and you know, Pac Five. I don't know what you if. I mean, how many schools are in Pac Five now? Like twelve or something. I mean, if all those schools add up to a large um, student-athlete population, I, I don't know. But, yeah, it's that's the reason they have to do it that way. Right? Look, I'm always for interleague play. That's all I'll say. And you know what? They've got uh, big uh, you know, non-conference seasons. That's why these teams, you'll see in football, they all play mainland schools and all yeah. that. And so they get in, they play as many games as they can. But I guarantee you, after the Iolani Classic, and I'm not putting – you know, I, I should have focused more on the Kamehameha girls rather than the opponents they're playing coming up. But at the same time, it's like the University of Hawaii playing Utah. They come home and play Central Arkansas. That game seemed like such a breeze. Whoever they play, Punahou or whoever, Punahou is going to seem easy for the Lady Warriors coming up after this. Think about that, though. Two, there's 31 and I'm going by ESPN's numbers. There's 31 five-star high school girls basketball players in the country. And um, you got two of them on your team. <laughs> I believe there's a – there's a, and they have – oh, I'm sorry. According to ESPN, they have a four-star and a five-star. According to some of the other oh, okay. services. Okay, that makes have, it a lot easier they then. Have two, yeah, they have two, <laughs> two five-stars. But uh, even Clovis West in the uh, Sierra Canyon – I believe they've got a couple of four stars on their team. So it's really good. I love the way that women's and girls' basketball has evolved. 
it's really exciting to watch. I was going to say, it reminds me a lot of the Iolani Invitational a couple of years ago when Bronny James came down, where yes. it becomes like, yeah, you would love to talk about you know your own teams. We're going to see them all year long. I think it's fair to ask a little bit about the incoming, like you said, five-star, four-star people. When Bronny right. was coming in, of course we're going to ask about Bronny. Uh, yeah. So... I don't. I don't think there was. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because we could always, you know, uh, hit Pua up again and talk about, you know, if they continue their great start to their season. Well, that's if she'll decide to come back again. We'll yeah, see. cross our fingers. It's eight forty-seven here with the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. We'll be back to wrap up the show on this Saint Nicholas Day. That's what day today is. Saint hmm. Nicholas Day. Uh, thank you very much to one of our sponsors, Eight Fifty Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at the Leeward Bowl. And uh, they got the NFL package, so you can check out all the NFL games. Their video wall is awesome, as well as their menu. It's 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at the Pearl City Shopping Center. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. Come on, it's lovely when the forest they ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Oh. Good morning. <laughs> Boy, I hope my voice is better tomorrow. Um, you got, uh, um, you know what? Let me go to the uh, text line real quick. And, um, and then you got something on uh, the whole college tier one deal going on. Uh, somebody, oh, you know what? All of this college tier one, all that stuff that's going on about creating a different tier, that might be a great question. For the Craig Angeles show tomorrow. So tomorrow at 6 o'clock, uh, come on down and join Kanoa Leahy and uh, our athletic director, Craig Angeles, on the Craig Angeles show. Come on down in person, listen on the radio. But that's a great topic for him to get our perspective as far as the University of Hawaii goes. But somebody did say, and you know the answer to this, Tanner, are we able to post uh, the Craig Angelus show on Spotify too? Um, can I'll, we ask the I think, people I think, to do that? I think we can. So if we just ask and then we can do it. Okay. Um, we were talking about sports being self-sustainable, hmm. and uh, you know that order that was put out by the legislature years ago, and then somebody texted in and uh, says, "Is the economics or physics department at UH self-sustaining?" Sports has educational value, too. I don't think there's a lot of credits that you get. <laughs> Not that I know of, at least. But I do yeah, agree with the whole self-sustaining it's a, thing. It's like the idea of like Hawaii having to be self-sustainable food-wise. It would be great if we could, but we just need a lot. We need the help that we get from the government so that people can be fed, you know, and all that good stuff. So much like that. Uh, the athletics does need the help of the local legislature to not only survive but to thrive as well. Okay, um, I got you. But you should also note that when athletic teams are doing well, that um, enrollment goes up. Exactly. It's a documented fact, not just at the University of Hawaii. So take that into account. Think of it as marketing. Okay. All right, uh, you were mentioning during the break – and thank you guys for texting in and calling in today. That's super cool of you guys. 
that you were talking about um, something during the break with the president, Charlie Baker of NCAA. Yeah. So right now in Las Vegas, uh, the, there's a sports business journal conference going on. And in it is featuring uh, the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, for a one-on-one conversation. And a lot of it is talking about the new proposal for the new uh, tier one of Division One uh, football going on. And this is from Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports um, saying that Charlie Baker has now twice mentioned 100 schools when discussing the new subdivision in his proposal. Mind you, the FBS is consisting of 133 schools. The Power Four has 69. So that's kind of insinuating probably around 30 schools from that group of five demographic is more most likely going to be also making that jump, leaving around 30 schools in this weird limbo, perhaps. But, of course, this is all speculation still in this process because this is only a proposal only made public like yesterday. So that's right. also something to probably think about as well. Okay, now it's a proposal. Who's right. going to vote on it? So who's who makes that decision? That's my question. Well, in is the, it all of the member schools get to vote? In the Associated Press article that is on the Star Ad this morning, uh, he asked the members to make he asked members of the NCAA to make that decision in a letter sent to more than three hundred and fifty Division One schools. So it's mostly asking okay. the schools to also, you know, maybe just to confirm that this is something that they want. Okay. All right, and 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 we can go from there. But a hundred schools—that's interesting. So sixty-nine schools, like you said, are currently in the Power Five. Is that the Power Five or Power Four? Uh, Power Four is sixty-nine. Oh, that's right. So it's a yeah. It's because you still have Power Five schools. They're just not in the same country. Right. Power Five. You know, it would be without the Pac-12. Yeah, not counting the Pac-12. Oh, okay. So let's just assume, okay, there's 69 schools. Okay, let's uh, uh, we'll take Oregon State and uh, Washington State. So that's like 71. Right, 71. Boy, that's a lot of other schools who would want, who would have to cough up $30,000 for half of their student athletes. It would essentially be the top four schools of each group of five division. I think that would account for the next 20 or 30. I guess 30, it would be like. I guess it would be the top six of the rest of the divisions, I guess. Not including yeah, independence. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Notre Dame. You th- Basically yeah. Notre Dame. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the way we'll end the show for today. Keep listening uh, for more tickets, uh, basketball tickets throughout the day for you to win here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Brent Brennan, uh, San Jose State football coach, is going to join us regarding the Hawaii Bowl tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Aloha.